Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Crisis Podcast. Today is an unconventional chat into, well, entrepreneurship. If you're anything like me, you've listened to a lot of founders' stories over the years where people had dreams to never work again, to tell their boss to F off and build an empire. Today is a founder's story that comes from a place of passion, a need to evoke real change and just wanting to live a more flexible lifestyle. We chat about thinking about what you actually want to do and how it connects with the lifestyle you want to live, digital media and the power we have as consumers, how to win an argument, and finding the balance between having empathy for others and when people just don't deserve your energy. Let's jump straight into the good stuff. Episode 43 of the podcast, reverse engineering your career to fit your lifestyle with founder of ZFeed, Crystal Andrews. Hey, Crystal, thank you so much for joining me on the Millennial Crisis podcast today. I'm bloody excited to have you on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have this chat. I've been following, I guess, ZFeed and your account as well for a while, thinking like, I got to wait for the right time to be able to get her on. I feel like for me, it's been a long time coming, even though you didn't know that on your part either. It's very flattering. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're doing some awesome things. I start off every podcast with three really basic and kind of AA style questions. And they are, what is your name, your age, and what do you do? My name is Crystal Andrews. I'm 30. I'm turning 31 next month, so... That's like a whole other thing to deal with. And I am the founder and editor of an independent news platform called ZFeed. Very strange to say that because it's only been just that way for a few months. So yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> that's crazy, but that's amazing. Like how does it feel set like that is your sole title now? I'm not going to lie. At first it was a little bit confronting and I feel like I, I thought I needed the other, you know, a, a full-time sort of like a gig attached to a more established title to have the legitimacy. But now I've definitely eased into it. And I feel like it's taken a lot of the stress of like, who am I and, and what am I doing? And when I meet someone and when I speak to them, like, what do I say about myself? It's taken that question out of it. So I think I've really, I've, I'm starting to get comfortable with it now. Yeah. Owning your title is so hard I think yeah right and what are your I don't know if you have anything like this but did you ever struggle saying founder yes yeah I still do it's very strange I'm comfortable with editor because I have been that I've done that role before I've had that title um, at a bunch of different organizations so that I'm very comfortable with and it's what I know myself as and I know it's what other people know me as but founder is a very um, strange one it's it sits better with me than entrepreneur Um, and it's also I don't know I've decided I've landed on founder because I think it's the most it's the easiest to understand like for, you know, when you're just, when you've met someone new for the first time, if you say that you're the founder of whatever company, it's like very clear that you've come up with it and you run it and that's what you do. Whereas I feel like other terms like director or entrepreneur, even 
and I'm not sure whether everybody really gets what those mean, what they mean. I don't know if I always get what that means. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And I, I have a big thing with that as well. And it wasn't until I did someone else's podcast where they labeled me like founder of the millennial crisis where I was like, nah, 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 nah. I just say podcast host. Like I'm not even at that point yet. So it's, it's a mate. I think I just have a tie and I don't know if it's like the millennial thing either as well of like our traditional, like the way those titles were traditionally, especially like I have a big thing with like entrepreneur and like CEO and stuff like that. And I was like, all right, ease up. It's just you like, let's relax here. But that's probably just my insecurities, like being projected on, I don't know. It's oh a yeah. And we're definitely overthinking it as well. I think yeah. part of it is a product of certainly like in the media and advertising and creative kind of industries. There's been a trend over the past, like, I don't know. I don't really know. Maybe I want to say like five to 10 years of inventing new titles <laughs> that yeah. don't necessarily like, you know, they're really fun and they're different. And it's, you know, like chief of, I don't even know. Fun. There's like, chief of yeah, fun. Chief I of like, I like, <laughs> uh, yeah. I can't, you know, I can't even think of one off the top of my head now, but like all of these kind of invented titles, I think have given everybody a bit of anxiety over like, what do you call yourself and what does that mean? And does it sound right? And does it suit you? Mm. So I does think it make me look like a wanker. <laughs> yeah, I feel like simple is best at this point. I'm, I'm so glad you shared that as well. Cause it made me feel better. I'm sure it made a lot of other pe- people feel better as well. Cause you can sometimes easily feel like a phony, especially when you haven't been doing something too long and you've seen other people call themselves a founder. Then three months later, just, give up on Just what they're out. doing yeah you mentioned as you said you are the founder of of zfeed what were you doing before you started zfeed so i have worked in media for my whole career at a bunch of different places so the job i had directly before so, sort of solely moving into zfeed on its own was uh the deputy commercial editor at um, Daily Mail Australia, which obviously I'm sure everybody knows that brand. One of the world's like biggest, I think it's the, well, I don't think it is the biggest, biggest English speaking news um, site in the world. So huge brand. And before that, I'd done the same role at um, a couple of different titles. And then before that, I was actually a magazine editor. So I've done like the print thing. I've done the digital thing. Um, I did a little bit of podcasting for Daily Mail as well. And so that's kind of like where all of the threads started coming together. But Zfeed had been running along the side of all of that for probably maybe a full kind of like 18 months, but really in earnest for like maybe 12 months before I, before I left. Yeah. That is full on to be doing that. I want to get into Dfeed, but I want to ask you a couple of questions about your kind of career journey before we dive into that. And I guess the first one is like, so your dream in high school was to be a journo or to go into the media space. Is that where that was going? Yeah. Yeah, I was like one of those annoying kids who knew like exactly what they wanted to do pretty much the whole time through high school. I was like, no, I, I want to be a writer. I want to be a journalist. I want to work in magazines. I had always, always wanted to do that. And yeah, that was kind of like the goal. So going to university, I had that very much as my focus and, you know, graduating and those taking those first few jobs and the internships and all that sort of stuff. Like that was absolutely the goal I was driving at. Um, so anything like Z feed was not even 
on my radar really like I wanted to be a magazine editor I think I, I was I probably would have thought like I'd be I don't know the editor of Vogue by the time I was this age um ridiculous but anyway <laughs> not ridiculous at all these days I feel like nothing is like off limits but I get it when you're like at that age it's like yay of course that's what I'm gonna do <laughs> exactly and you think that I mean, you obviously, before you're in the industry, particularly at that time, you don't really know what it's like. And especially for media, I think people who are not in the industry have quite a, quite a glamorized view of what it is. And it absolutely can be glamorous and it is so much fun. But the time that I was graduating, was uh, graduating university that is, was also exactly sort of the time that the digital space was completely disrupting um, print media. So totally disrupting newspapers, totally disrupting magazines, and that's still ongoing. So yeah, I guess I did a few years of magazine work and then kind of figured out that that was not the place to be if you want kind of like any term type of stability or any sort of career longevity it was just way too unstable and so I really wanted to move into digital which is what I did Um, but even then like there's yeah there's definitely issues in the industry (laughs) what what was your experience and, and was there a point where you got to that industry and it was like I have no other choice but to go out on my own because this is really pissing me off or what did that kind of come into fruition in another way? Um, I think, I think there were two different, two different realizations and kind of two different questions. So the two were not necessarily tied together for me in terms of like problems with the media industry, like that part of it first, it kind of came in stages because obviously at first I started in print And so I thought that the problems were exclusive to print. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll go into digital. That'll be better. (laughs) And it was better, (laughs) but um, a lot of the, a lot of that instability was still there. And I think I evolved as a person as well. Like I've changed obviously in the past decade Um, and my reactions to some of the problems that were, that that I was seeing, I, I made me feel different. So I think that to to talk about the issues with the media industry it was kind of like the further I got in the more I realized that there were kind of problems not all of them I could fix and not all of them I would sit there and say like oh it's not working because of this and instead we should be doing x y and z it's like it's still really confusing turbulent time and we can talk about some of that if you want as well because it's like very topical at the moment Mm. but that was kind of like a, a more gradual thing for me, the need to go out on my own and start my own business was is actually because I'm originally from Perth and in WA, there isn't really a huge media industry. Like there's a bit of local stuff, but it's not massive by any means. So it's really hard to get a job. It's also just not as, as big and, and shiny and fast paced as the industry in Sydney. So it's like pretty obvious that at some point, if you want a, like a serious career in this, you have to move to the East. So that was always something I wanted to do. And it was something that I did a few years ago. My partner is from Tasmania originally. So we met in Perth. We both moved to Sydney together. But after being here a little while, I quickly realized that it's like, you know, my family's in WA, his family's in Tasmania. Right now we live in Sydney. And for me to have, I think, a really happy, fulfilled life, I want to be able to go and see any of those people 
whenever I kind of want to and not have to apply for leave to do it and not have to worry about using up my leave, not, not have to deal with any of that shit. And I think it was probably maybe a good like 12 ish kind of months living in Sydney where I realized like, Oh shit, I actually really need to think about starting my own business. If only for the fact that means that I can take my work with me wherever I go and do it from wherever I want for however long I want. Um, it's funny because I think a lot of people, a lot of people want to do that for like the digital nomad kind of lifestyle, like live in Bali, go to Europe, all of that sort of thing. For me, it's like that, except without the holiday, <laughs> without being a holiday, it's like that, but I want to be able to go home to Perth. We want to be able to go visit, you know, his family in Hobart and friends, wherever they may be. So that was kind of the reason why I thought I need to think about doing my own thing. So they were kind of separate conversations in my own mind it that makes me so happy that you said that because it just feeds into like everything that I say all the time about like making work fit into your lifestyle and that you weren't drawn to the entrepreneurship founder space Mm -hmm. because this is how I feel good this is like it was a choice for you and your part like it was a lifestyle choice right which just it, it means that what you're working towards is like making this work fit into your life, which I think is from all of the success stories I hear and the people that are happiest in it ends up being like the only way you stick out the shit that comes with working for yourself. Cause you're like, okay, it's going to be hard right now, but I'm doing this hard thing because it becomes easier eventually. Cause doing Z feed and working at daily mail and for 18 months, like, that's I'm sure you were like going nuts like that is working overtime yeah and it's funny because that's the opposite of like a lifestyle <laughs> right I had you no got life. to sacrifice I still have point. no life um yeah it's it's very much like and I think the funny thing is like it takes you a long time or maybe just me it took me a long time to even get to that point in my own life where I actually sat down and thought like shit what do I actually want my life to be even outside of work like forget forget what the job might be forget what the title might be like what does my life look like in 20 years time and it was kind of a process of like working backwards from that end goal and then once you've kind of got those pieces it's like okay well clearly what I'm doing now will not ever let me have that life. Like I'd kind of been, you know, thinking if my career progressed the way I want it to, and I get, you know, a really great role um, in an amazing media company and and I've got the responsibilities and the title and the perks and the the money, but like that won't let me go back to Perth. So what do I do when I go back there? There's no job for me to have. So it was kind of, unpacking like what what your goals really are and then trying to figure out how you can arrive at something that'll get you there and then a lot of it is luck too like I I didn't I also didn't conceive Z feed only for that purpose because I don't think that always works it was kind of like two things came together really nicely that I feel like at this stage will hopefully get me to that place where I want to be in 15 20 years time So what was that second thing? So I have a younger sister who is 10 years younger than me and we're very alike in lots of ways. Also being 10 years apart, very different in many ways. And I think I was talking to her one day and I sort of asked her like where she 
gets her, like where her and her friends read their news, like where do they get the news from? I think the reason that I had come to that question is because I was working for a a different, not Daily Mail, I was working for some different titles and um, they were really looking at Gen Z as a demographic and trying to figure out how to, you know, how to get them to the sites, like where do we need to be and how do we attract them to, to read? And she said, oh, we don't really know. Like, I don't know. I just click on links that I see on social media that's kind of appeal to me that have the headlines. It seems like it's something newsworthy and I just click on it and I'll read that, which is obviously a problem because they don't actually know where the information that they're reading is coming from because it's like just part of this social media environment. There was that. And then there was also the fact that, you know, I was having to explain a lot of stuff in the news to her, to other friends and family and people in my life, because the fact of the matter is like, to really understand these things, you have to read about them and constantly be immersed in them all the time. And as like a journalist, I obviously do that because that's my job to do. And so I'm, I'm good at it. Like I'm good at reading new stories, connecting the dots and kind of like piecing it all together to figure out what it means. But who the fuck has the time to do that every day if you don't work in that industry? Like nobody has the time. And so I just felt that the way some of these topics were being communicated was just excluding young people or excluding anyone who doesn't have the fucking time to sit down and read like seven articles about a new climate change bill. Like who would do that? And it didn't make sense to me why there wasn't just like someone who was explaining in a very straightforward way, like that big topic that everyone's talking about, this is the basics of what it means in very simple language, like laid out in sections. Once you know that you can read as much other stuff on it as you like, but you need to know this first. And those were kind of the little pieces that fell fell into place. And I thought, okay, well, if I'm already doing that for myself and I'm already doing it for the people in my life, I may as well put it on social media and see if anybody else wants to see that kind of content too. And it turns out that they did. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And, and I love it. That's my question from there is the difference between daily mail and the work you're doing at Z feed are huge. And I could be wrong because maybe I'm just seeing one side of daily mail, but what like, you you mentioned that you like grew a lot and you changed a lot during that time and I think sometimes when we're younger we have like these ideas and we go for a lot of like the names right the names or that'll look good on my resume or this title or they're offering me this much and stuff like that and then other things come into our lives and we learn and we become more educated and we're like oh actually maybe not did that was that ever a thing with you just because I know like how much information and like the stance that Z feed takes a lot of the time versus like a media company like that, for me, there's a huge contrast. And I wonder if that was ever anything. Do you know, it's funny. There's probably like a few things wrapped up in that question. One, it's probably because of the fact that Z feed and daily mail are so different worked in my favor that they had no issue with me doing Z feed on the side because it's in no way a competitor. Yeah. I mean, obviously besides the fact that they're humongous and I'm one person, <laughs> but you know, there isn't any real crossover. Like I'm not poaching their clients or like rehashing their work. They're really different. So if anything, that was probably something that 
you know, the environment that I was in, they needed to be really different so Mm. that, you know, my bosses and my managers weren't like, "Mm, this is like a little bit too close for comfort. You need to shut it down or leave. Um, So I think that's one thing. Daily Mail is lots of people have lots of, of opinions about it as a publisher, as a workplace. It's It was actually for the bulk of my time there, one of the most supportive and least toxic workplaces I've ever been in, in media, which is really funny because, you know, obviously like a lot of people have a bad opinion of it from a consumer point of view, but I certainly like loved everybody that I worked with and felt very supported and valued and, and like they cared about me and my growth that might, I'm not to say that that is everybody's experience of working for that company. Obviously, like people have all kinds of different experiences at every organization. But for me, it was actually like a really nice place to be. And there were really fantastic people there. And then the last thing that I always say to people who have issues with Daily Mail, and I certainly have issues with the content on Daily Mail, like I don't think that's, as, you know, you wouldn't have to know me too long to realize that that was something that I believe. But It's part of this really funny um, dance between people, like audiences, everyday people and publishers. It's very much chicken or the egg because if you didn't read it, they wouldn't write it. (laughs) And I I know that's a massive oversimplification. That's not to say that there there aren't problems, but that goes for any, any kind of media as well. So, you know, people have issues with, Sky News, if people didn't watch that content, if they didn't read that content, it would not be produced. Um, They're commercial businesses, so they need to make money. They make money by accruing an audience and we are the audience. So we ultimately vote with our our clicks. And, um, yeah, some of of the content that would be the most heavily criticised on the site is the most heavily trafficked. So you really do have to wonder whether as many people hate Daily Mail as a brand as much as they say they do. But, you know, that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) A hundred percent. And the the reason I said it was because of the the contrast between the two. And again, like we can't, we are the consumers, right? Like we only exist because of it. Like people tend, whether it's social media or like um, Daily Mail or I don't know, junk food, like I remember like at school they came around and they took all the junk food out of the canteens or whatever, you know what I mean? Like whatever it is, it's like, isn't it maybe like the lack of education around this that might be the problem or the fact that like we think we have no power as consumers when we are the ones that dictate what is happening to an extent, like if we all stopped and played our part, which is one of the things I really like about Gen Z, although they're quite idealistic about a lot of things, I think they because they grew up with digital media, they feel as though they have so much more power, which I think is so incredible that they are able to put their own opinions out there and kind of drown out that other noise as well. Yeah, it's definitely as well. It's, it's a, this is why, like, I love talking about media issues on Z feed. And I, I think the more I kind of have time to just dedicate to this one title that I work on now, which is like such a relief, um, but, you know, the more I kind of work on it and establish it, the more I think that media literacy and teaching young people and people in general how to decode and understand the media, I feel like is going to become a bigger kind of part of our coverage and what we do. Um, because 
you know, you kind of touched on it there. It is education and knowing, and that's not to say education, like, oh, this title's bad, but this one's good because it's absolutely not like that at all. The truth is the bulk of Australia's news titles, I mean, they're, they're all telling the same stories like news is news they're all producing mostly the same content um so it's just about teaching people like what to look for and how to understand what they're seeing and what is a headline like a headline is not a summary of a news article but people think it is it's not Mm. the summary it's just the most interesting part because they need to get you to click so that doesn't contain everything that you need to know. If you really want to know what's happened, unfortunately, you're going to have to click on it and read the whole thing. Um, but just little tricks like that, I, I feel like would help people understand their relationship with the media better and then potentially just feel a little bit more confident in the information that they are like consuming. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it became really kind of, prominent and like obvious that this was a huge issue in 2020 when people were going down the conspiracy rabbit hole and I uh, it's 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 funny because like you're talking from a media perspective but I look at it from like digital marketing perspective which is they go hand in hand so much but yeah and all I think about is like the digital eco chambers that people get themselves in because that's all they're consuming and that's all they're seeing and I know I've spoken to you a little bit outside of this about, um, you know, the the book you wrote and how looking at different perspectives in order to be able to have a good argument to win an argument in, in, in your words, right? And how like you almost can't blame people, right? Because it, it's out there and it's the lack, like instead of us pointing fingers and looking at people being like, oh, they suck, they're terrible. Like I can't believe they think that. Having more empathy for that side and thinking, there's clearly something wrong with the fundamentals here. There's clearly something wrong with what they're teaching us in school or outside or the lack of conversation that's happening. Instead of pointing fingers, how about we try and have this dialect? And do you feel a lot of pressure with ZFeed that you're solve, you're trying to solve that huge problem? Sometimes I feel like it's it's hard to walk the line between what is, I mean, what is, sometimes there's just, it's an issue of fact. <laughs> like sometimes <laughs> there isn't another side to the argument that is, that has any credence or any value. So it can be difficult to walk the line between making sure that people understand like these are the facts and not having the other side for want of a better term saying like, well, what about all this other stuff when it's not at all based in fact? And it's almost like, even bringing it up to point out the ways in which it's not accurate is still kind of like amplifying and giving it a platform. So it's really hard to, to kind of find the line between like letting the other side or a counter argument sort of be heard and illustrate like where it does have merit and where it doesn't and not giving too much of a voice to that kind of like, what about you know, that whataboutism sort of stuff and where people are just throwing things up just to take away from the main argument. It can be, it's a fine line to walk. And I think for all media at the moment, particularly with reporting on white supremacy and um, reporting on conspiracy theories around like vaccines and COVID and all this sort of stuff, like it is really hard to not give too much airtime 
to the views that might not be right, but without making them feel like they're totally silenced and disregarded and made to feel like they're dumb because that is part of what's pushed them to fringe beliefs in the first place. That is something I struggle with a lot. Yeah, mm. it's, it's, it's tricky. I don't, I don't have the answer. I don't think anyone really has the answer. And I think most days it, it just kind of comes down to, unfortunately, like how much energy and how much empathy and how much sort of like emotional patience I have on that day as to how well I can deal with it, which is not fair, but it's the truth, I guess. Yeah, but there is no perfect answer. Like the older I get, I'm like, oh, like you can't, like the world's very grey, but also like sometimes it's pretty black and white, (laughs) you know, and you're right. It just depends, like we're all human and it just depends on sometimes our mood, how like we could, how much energy, how much time we have to give to educating these people or doing something or making an impact in some way and when you look at the bigger picture your this is how I always look at things it's like my time is actually better spent helping these 10 people than changing this one person's view when I'm actually not even going to get anywhere engaging that right yeah yeah I mean on I guess like on a personal level I try, I try really hard to approach it from the point of view, at least when you hear someone say, you know, something that doesn't sound quite right the first time. Like, I don't assume, I try not to assume that they're wrong right away, even if it sounds like there's no way it could be right. <laughs> so I go and have a look, like I'll, I'll go and research it. And I mean, most of the time you quickly do find out that they, that, that it's wrong. Or you might find that, you know, it is, there is some, truth to it there is some accuracy to it but it's been twisted it's been manipulated or maybe it just is right you know you never know and I think that's part of the that's part of the issue at the moment is that everyone's kind of like ready to just put their opinion out there before they've really had a chance to like digest what the other person has said Mm. it's part of what I'm trying to do with Zfeed is like give people the tools to have those conversations in real life and make sure that they kind of like have their side of the argument, their side of the information sort of like prepared and solid and ready in their mind, not so that they can just like blurt it out, but so that they have more time and more kind of like mental space to listen to the other person and kind of hear for these cues of things that, you know, they should follow up. Maybe they should ask more questions or things that they can be like, okay, well, this is what, authority says like you know this is what the government is saying this is what the this is what the authorities are kind of like saying that we should do because I feel like if you have that stuff ready in your mind you're not kind of like scrambling trying to think of what to say and then not really hearing the other person which is I I feel like that's where a lot of issues start it's a it's a tight rope walk right like there's no there's no perfect way it's so weird when you like figure out like oh there's no like perfect and I I heard you speak about this in the daily talk show episode how you're like a bit of a perfectionist and also like the work that you're doing there is almost an there is there's an extra layer of pressure to watch what you say how you say it and almost like it it has to be right all the time. Like you can't fuck up when it's like, like how can we hold these standards for you, like for a media outlet or how can we hold these standards even for government sometimes? Like you think sometimes like, 
nobody knows what the fuck they're doing, right? <laughs> like, where do we draw the lines at stuff? How do you deal with that pressure? And as the, as the page grows, like, do you find yourself censoring information more or taking longer to put things out there because of that? Um, it's definitely, I mean, in terms of how I deal with it, not very well <laughs> because being a person who like that is one of my major character flaws and I will readily admit it. Like I want to be right all the time, even when I am fighting that urge so badly in myself and making sure that I slow down and that I listen to people and that I really like give it the time like that, that requires effort on my part because for whatever reason, I'm just that way. So it is as the page kind of like grows and the traffic to the site grows, like I'm trying to figure out the right balance of, of course, doing my due diligence as a journalist, as an editor of making sure that all of the facts and the real gist of it are there and that they are right. And then not to not worry too much about things that are maybe in the scheme of things, a little bit smaller, um, typos mistakes like that mislinks whatever it is like something that doesn't look amazing as I want it to trying to let that stuff go for now while I am kind of just working on my own and a one-man band because I think if I really gave everything as much attention as I wanted to nothing would go out mm. <laughs> you just ne- you'd never ever finish so it is like pressured in that sense and I do feel a real sense of responsibility that I've I haven't kind of like figured out how I'm going to manage that in myself but a real responsibility to the community because for whatever reason there's a lot of trust there and they trust the content that I'm putting out and they trust you know how I am decoding it for them and how I'm synthesizing it for them Um, and it definitely worries me because I'm just one person so it's all kind of coming through my lens so you know the goal is to definitely have other people employed within the business so it's not just me because yeah I do worry about that sometimes yeah I think it shows so much about how passionate and how much you love what you are doing and like the impact you're having because for anyone that's listening right now that is suffering with that like perfectionism and like that I can't fail but everyone else is okay too and I'm happy to fix up their mess and stuff like that but I can't it's that it it tells one thing or tells actually a couple things one thing is like that's just a character trait kind of thing but the second part is that like you really love what you do or you really want to give something your all which I think is a really nice thing but as people who consume this stuff, as people who, you know, hold companies or people on certain pedestals, we have to also acknowledge that they are people and that if people continue to like come at places like this so harshly or pick up on tiny spelling mistakes or whatever every now and then that it's like these, like you're never going to be able to take over that other media that is not doing the stuff that we're providing. And I think that acknowledgement and the education around that as like media consumers is also like really poor and upsets me because I I ha- I spoke with Shit You Should Care About last season and they had like this huge similar problem and there was three of them. So like for you to have all of that pressure, I just I don't know how you're still functioning as a human being, honestly. Like, that is incredible. I I think for the most part, I think 
people understand like the it, the scale of the mistake is yeah. proportionate to the response for the most part. So like touch wood, I haven't had any like huge misfires yet where people have been like, this is just totally wrong. And, you know, you shouldn't have put that out and was really irresponsible or, or whatever. Like nothing like that has happened yet. I, I mean, I honestly think it will happen at some point. I think it would be naive to assume that like, I will run this business for hopefully a really, really long time and never have some kind of big mistake. So I'm just trying to accept that that will happen and be ready for it when it comes. Um, but where was I going with that? Yeah, but I think the 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 feedback that I do get at the moment that is a little bit more um, critical or, you know, you certainly do get people who, I don't know how they, they find the account. They must just be cruising hashtags or whatever, but who just want to come in like just for the sake of like, not even sharing another opinion in good faith, but just to start a fight, like just to get people riled up. I'm still kind of figuring out what's the best way to, to deal with that because like I was saying before, I'm not sure that I fully want to like silence them and delete block all that kind of stuff. But I think there is a responsibility to make sure it doesn't get like too much airtime than it's worth. And the big one for me is making sure that other people who read it would not be harmed by it. And that's kind of where I'm sort of figuring out where to draw the line um, on, on the feedback that I get. And what do you do for yourself? How do you switch off? I've been doing a lot on like digital wellness at the moment because I see it from the socials perspective and like people that work in the industry, how meth- like how hard it can be, right? And I don't think people understand also one, the comments, two DMs, like that's like constantly having thousands of people in your bedroom all the time, just coming at you all the time. So how, how are you dealing with all of that? And are you worried about the sustainability of that for yourself? Oh, for sure. Very, very concerned about the sustainability of it. Something that I decided to start doing once I went full-time on Z feed. So I think this is probably around like November November last year, which would have been just after the US election, which was obviously really huge for us. And mm. I'm really proud of the way we covered it and we, we got exclusively good feedback on it. So that in itself wasn't the issue, but it was just kind of like the increased volume, the increased attention. And I kind of decided then and there, like I wasn't going to necessarily continue to go back and check every single new post for comments and reply to all the comments and reply to every single dm if it wasn't really like asking a direct question and i think i had to just do that for my own sanity so i kind of give myself a window of like an hour after posting something or if it's a little bit more controversial i might give it two hours or something i'll check the comments and if people reply and if it is in good faith i'll engage with it but if it's not i won't and i'll just leave it for other people to sort out in the comments if they want to the only exception is if I think it's harmful then I'll you know I'll leave a comment and say that I've removed something or I will restrict the person and like kind of reply to them and say like you can't say that here Mm. but yeah that was something that I just had to do for my own sanity because it was making me like absolutely crazy like completely just it's, it's all you would do and I would get really nervous about checking comments like a 
I don't know if I should say this, like this is probably the wrong thing to say, but I still get really, really nervous when I open my app and I see a comment notification from an account that looks like it's a man that I don't know. Like I brace for, I don't even know. I brace for something. I brace for something aggressive and I brace for something that is combative. That's probably not fair, but that's just how it feels. So I think one of the first people that I am hoping to bring on sometime during this year is a social media manager just to help with Mm. it because it's really hard to do it all. Like it's very hard to do it all. I'm the wrong person to ask for strategies because I have none. (laughs) No. And, and uh, I'm not glad that you don't have any, but I'm like, thank you for being so open with that because like I said, people have no, I just, I don't think people have the idea of the impact this kind of thing can have. And it, it, it's, it's scary for me because I know I've seen so many people experience it and go through it and stuff like that. And I think it's, it's really obvious the fact that like millennials and Gen Z's are having like the most mental health issues. And yet we are living like the best lives Mm -hmm. out of any generation before that. But it's, it's the difference in the communities we have now versus the communities our parents and grandparents like had. It's, it's so vastly Mm. different. Do you have time to connect and chat with other people and switch off like no yeah that's what I'm saying like which is it's it's insane and the the second part I, I wanted to kind of point out as well is that at Daily Mail at all of the other like media companies you worked at was the like did they respond to every single DM? Did they respond to every single comment? Like when, especially print media, like you, no. one way communication, right? No. You know, And that's not to say like that it's, I think it's different when you work for someone else, um, especially big organizations, but small organizations too, like your job is a job. And so yeah. once you're contracted hours for that day, if it's nine to five or eight to six or whatever the hell it is, like, once you're done for the day, go <laughs> because you're not, you don't get any extra out of that for somebody else. Obviously when it's your own business, when it's your own, when it's something that you're trying to grow, like it's, it is totally different because you, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it, mm. the more you put into it, the more it will grow. Um, so it is different in, in that sense, but also on the other hand, like you're totally right. No, they don't reply to any of the comments or, DMs I mean unless it's something that's in their favor to respond to Mm. you know what I mean like where can I buy the the next issue of the magazine but I actually think that's a failing of those of that type of media and that's why Z feed feels to me and at least to other people that I've spoken to it feels more like a community and they feel like they have a part to play in the content that we put out which they absolutely do because there's no point in me writing about topics and explaining topics that they don't really care about knowing. So I have to have a two-way dialogue with them Mm. because, you know, it it kind of like feeds the business and what comes in is able to come out back to them. So, yeah, I definitely haven't done as much interaction with like readers in other roles, but I think that's something that that older media is getting wrong, that traditional media is is getting wrong. And I think the more that you engage with your audience, the more that they feel loyal to your brand and 
so many of the issues that media is kind of facing at the moment comes from a fact that younger generations don't necessarily have the brand loyalty that older generations have because we don't have the experience the same way of like getting the Sydney Morning Herald delivered every day. You know what I mean? So we don't necessarily think of that as the first place to go to for news. So if there isn't search in this country, as there may not, you know, as there may soon be the case, you're going to rely on people to know your brand, to type into a browser, to come to your site, to get the news there. And I think interacting with your audience is a way to make sure that they always think of you and that they know that if they have a question, they can come to you for the answer in kind of like whatever medium. So and that's the bet I'm making anyway. We'll see if it pans out or if I, I don't know, have a breakdown before then. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I totally understand. It's, it's something that I've been trying to like nut out in my mind about social media and engagement and all of that stuff. Like where do we find the balance now? Because all of us that are going out on our own, right? Like we feel as though we have to do the minimum of what the big guys are doing plus all the other stuff. Yeah, plus more, plus also competing against all the other guys that are trying to start something or already started something as well, right? But my, my thing is I know I'm exactly the same. I want to give everything. But what I teach in a lot of my like classes and stuff is like looking at your social media strategy from like a holistic perspective, right? So sometimes you think like maybe adopting some of those traditional media things of like, hey, maybe as soon as I see like an asshole there, I just like, I don't have to delete them or anything like that, but maybe it's like I censor myself to commenting, replying to two comments or certain amount of DMs or directing them somewhere else. So the people who are actually putting in time who want to give feedback will click a link and give me some feedback on another page. Uh, After hearing you say that, I'm just like, how do we work this problem? Because it's the same for influencers. Like influencers have that same issue. They just constantly feel like they have to give, 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 but then where does their mental health become okay? When does it become too much? When do they get sick? Like it's a different kind, like you don't get sick leave too, you know? So (laughs) yeah, I I don't know. I'm just like, my mind's going crazy. And I'm sure you're probably just like, I don't even want to think about that right now. (laughs) It's a whole, it's a whole other beast. Like I think, you know, I think the one thing that probably, traditional media has got right if you want to use that phrase is their business is not social media yeah um the reason that they've got it right is because social media media wasn't around when they all started but and that's something that I'm I'm really making a concerted effort with Zfeed this year is to build up the on-site audience so the web traffic to the site because we actually don't, you know, as a brand, as a business, as a media publisher, as an influencer, you don't own your audience on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook. So if an algorithm is changed, if something is adjusted, you'll not reach as many people as you think you should be reaching. And in the worst case scenarios, and I'm sure everybody will will know or have heard of a story of this happening, you lose access to your account. And then all of a sudden, your entire business is gone Mm. and there isn't necessarily always recourse to kind of get that back. 
Um, that's something that I think I've really learned from working in bigger traditional media organizations is like social media is a strategy. It's not the entire business because mm. it's not something that you can control even on, you know, a really micro level. Like we all know, sometimes we'll post and it will go amazing. It goes gangbusters. Then like a few days later, you post something that's very similar and you'd be like, oh, the last time it did really great. This time it should do awesome as well. And it just fucking flops. Like that happened to me today. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Why is this happening? I mean, obviously there's an element of just like appetite and um, people getting fatigued with certain types of content, but also it's because you don't actually control who sees it. It's not really your audience. So I think one of the things I really want to focus on this year is what's the stuff that I can control. I need to drive more traffic to my website so that my audience gets used to consuming the content there, not just on Instagram mm. and also building a bit of an email list because then you can always contact those people no matter what other platforms you're operating on. So long as you've got like a good quality list and you're kind of sending updates that are, you know, useful and add value to their life, which I always want to be doing. So I think that's one thing that probably like a lot of businesses, influencers, media brands, like everybody could learn could kind of learn that and just think about how do you pull the levers that you can control as opposed to just purely operating your business on the back of, you know, like a massive international tech corporation. Like mm. that's not yours. It's theirs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, a hundred percent. And I think that's where the kind of um, the pressure also comes to produce more and be better and give more value and all of that stuff. So it's, it's just, it's imp the more you think about it, the more it scares the fuck out of me. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> and, you, know, you even yeah. see it with influencers when they like, um, when they start to like launch their own product lines and clothing collaborations and things like that. It's, it's all the same thing. It's an effort to make money and have a business independent of a social platform which you which you can't control and yeah it's scary for those of us who like you know I'll be transparent like Z-Feed absolutely hinges on Instagram at the moment but I don't want it to always be that way um, and I want it to be able to like if Instagram decided to pull out of Australia in five years time I want that to be okay for my business mm. yeah which which is it's so important to know and have and also to know that like you're not relying on this platform that you will be okay regardless of what yeah. shape or form you're like I think that's just like today like as millennials as gen z like it's so important to know that whether it's internally shit's going to change or externally shit's going to change it's going to change so get used to adapting yeah. don't be fucking Jane in the office that's like I'm still trying to scan this paper file you know and that's us like not wanting to let go of Instagram you know and jump onto the TikTok train or whatever the new platform is that like sometimes you just got to suck it up and adopt and the world's unfair oh yeah <laughs> yeah now I, I really want to talk about where well, we're getting towards the end, but I do really want to talk about um, your book and how you go into like how we can better combat some of the people that we might get into situations in our life where they're saying something that we think is really dumb and 
just blatantly wrong but trying to kind of come at that with empathy and and maybe win the argument in our minds but no like make it feel like they're also winning I guess yeah Yeah, so what are your what are your tips on on that kind of stuff because we know 2020 brought a lot of a lot of people that we didn't know had certain feelings out of the woodworks yeah I, yeah. I had no idea the book came out like in December of 2019 so really like you know it was kind of pushed heavily throughout beginning of 2020 and yeah I didn't realize how it was going to really come in handy (laughs) for all of all of the topics that people would be discussing and you're exactly right all of these opinions that it just dragged out from people who you would never imagine thought that way I guess like one big thing with how to win every argument is it's a very tongue-in-cheek title Um, I don't actually think that anyone can win every single argument and except the tone, you, of course. Except me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the tone throughout is quite like sassy and it's very irreverent, um, but all of the facts are there. And I think really big reason why I wanted to pull it together is like what I was saying before, I think if you, particularly for things you're really passionate about, if you kind of have those numbers, the facts, the stats, whatever it is in your mind and you're strong and you're solid on them, you don't need to be like thinking running around your head being like what was that stat like this guy has said this thing that I know is wrong but I'm just I'm trying to remember the stat I can't remember it fuck what was it what was it and then by that time you haven't heard anything that he said and then you just regurgitate this thing that's like it's never going to land with him because you weren't listening so part of the reason why I wanted to write the book and kind of have it as this very short snappy funny guide is to let people sit with some of those facts some of those statistics and give them the language to kind of have at ease that they can pull out and be like okay well you know what do you think about this and have it to hand so it allows more space for you to listen to the other person um that was a really big thing that I kind of wanted to do like I saw it a lot around the gender pay gap which is something that even like still intimidates me to talk about with people because a lot of people get really defensive about it um if I know that I know the you know, I know the stats, I know the gap, I know that it's, that it's real and it exists. I can be strong and confident in that. I don't need to worry about it. I can just really listen to what they're saying and figure out what their actual issue is. Like what's the sticking point for them? Cause there's always something that is making people, you know, scared it's fear a lot of the time it's it's worry or there's some sort of distrust that they have with authority and you know like you were saying before we can't really blame people for that I I totally understand why a lot of people who have fringe beliefs think the way they do like I, I don't blame them for it um so the book was just really about making people feel a little bit more emboldened and a little bit more empowered to actually go into those conversations and have some confidence about it and and not worry about um, forgetting the crucial details in the heat of the moment. (laughs) That's amazing. And I think now you can't just tell people what to do. Like you have to have edutaining content like it has to like you you mentioned in the book like it's short it's to the point which I don't expect it to be anything less because of Z feed and how that is all put together but also like you said it's sassy and that kind of stuff as well which which makes it like it makes learning fun as well and I think I don't know at least I hated school so now coming out of school and having pages like Z feed or or having like um, books like how to win an argument all of that kind of stuff it's like 
oh, like I can learn about stuff and also like have a bit of a laugh or like bring it up in a conversation with a friend easier instead of it just being like, oh, read this, whatever. Yeah. And I think it's important. Like if this is stuff that people are talking about, it's important to reflect the way people speak in the information that you present because the whole, like the purpose of Z-Feed, the purpose of the book is just to empower people to actually have these conversations in real life. Because like I've said it before and it sounds like such a cliche, but I feel like having one-on-one conversations, like a person-to-person interaction is just such an underrated way of creating change, of activism, of like actually changing people's hearts and minds. Like majority of the time, it will be a one-on-one conversation that actually gets your point across and gets the other person to think about things, at least give it a little bit of space in their mind and think about it in a different way. So like, what's the point of, sharing all the scientists will hate me for saying this but like you know a full study on you know the fact that vaccinations don't cause autism like that's great and we need that information out there but it's dry out of necessity it has all of the jargon all of the scientific terminology people don't know how to process properly and that's how it gets botched and lost interpretation so if I can pull it if I can read that and then pull it down and say like in plain language that you can actually use in conversation this is what it means and you can use these exact words if you want it if you want to and you'll be able to get your point across like I think that's a win it has to reflect how we speak yeah no a hundred percent it's the same like for anyone listening it's the same it's why it's so important to be who you are in the workplace like you'll attract that kind of people too but as well like we're like people are people we need to like throw out this like old traditional way of like I'm a work person I am a news outlet I am a this like that's not how the world works anymore so like start being confident in being able to do this stuff and don't underestimate the impact that you can have because our biggest values at Millennial Crisis are community and conversation because I think they're like the two most like powerful and also like in both positive and negative ways, you know, but they're so, so powerful. And um, yeah, I think that's amazing. We are getting to the end, unfortunately. I feel like I could talk to you for another hour. Yeah, we could but... just make like a three-hour long right? <laughs> It's going to be a Joe Rogan style for, oh God. Um, <laughs> no, um, but yeah, we are getting to the end. And I have, before we get into the challenge, because I know um, you've got an awesome challenge, which I'm really excited to get everyone to do. And I'm excited to do myself as well. Um, but before that I've got three questions that I ask all of my guests at the end of each episode and the first question I have for you is what is the first small step you took to get to where you are right now Hmm, that's a good that's a good question I think the first small step as like counterintuitive as this is to everything that we've just talked about but the first small step I did was um creating an account on Instagram and like reserving the handle and I feel like that was just a really simple way to ease in and be like okay we're taking an active step but it doesn't have to be public like nobody has to see this until I'm ready and it could be something like just for me um and then you know it was something that when TikTok was like getting really big, I kind of like have done the same thing. So I've got a Z feed handle, even though there's no content there because like, I just, to be honest, don't have the time to produce it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's just kind of like 
okay, this is, it's almost a way of setting your intention and saying, I am going to do this. And to honor the fact that I do want to do it, I'm going to take this very, very small step. That could be very easily reversed if I (laughs) change my mind. (laughs) No, that's amazing. And that is like, there's no perfect answers, but that that's a beautiful answer because I think a lot of people are going to sit here and think like, oh yeah, like it, like Demi says all the time, it's just small steps, right? But those small steps end up leading to like, I mean, what you've built now, which is incredible. Um, the next question I have for you is what is your biggest millennial crisis right now? And I define a millennial crisis as a privilege problem that consciously or subconsciously affects your mental health or well-being. This is also one that we could have spent the entire episode just <laughs> talking about this. Um, but like I said at the beginning, I'm turning 31 in a few weeks. And last year it was the same fucking crisis <laughs> of turning 30. But all of that I think is wrapped up in the idea that I am soon I will no young no longer be a like a quote unquote young person and I'll just be a regular adult. And that means that the achievements I have won't be as impressive as if I had done them when I was 23. And that literally fucking keeps me awake at night. It's so narcissistic. It's completely it's like textbook fucking like what's the word that they use when you're like addicted to success, like achievement addiction. Yeah, work yeah, addiction. yeah. It's like textbook that, um, but that is the millennial crisis. I'm like dealing with it at the moment. I, I feel like a lot of the times I'm rushing myself because I'm like, get it all done before you turn 35. Otherwise no one's going to care, which is absolutely not true. It's not true at all. Wild. Uh, yeah. it's, it's Like I say, I could have had an episode just about No, that. no, yeah, but I think, yeah, like thank you for sharing that because I think that so many people are listening to that and are 21, 20, because that was me at 22, uh, which is like crazy to think back now. But like it's so weird that it's nev- It's a lot of the time it's not external pressures, it's no. internal pressures that we put on ourselves that we've just pulled out of the ground because like we saw one thing when we were 12 and we are like, yep, that's where I've got to, like, that's how my life's got to go. And completely internal, like nobody else is saying that, but you know, on the other hand, like society does reinforce it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not completely our own fault. It's it's absorbing, uh, absorbing a lot of things. Um, and a lot of signals like 30 under 30 lists, right? Yeah. Like I'm no longer eligible for 30 under 30 lists. I never won one. I never entered one, but I never won one. And so it's like the fact that that's no longer an option for me is, oh God, devastating. And they're such bullshit lists, honestly. Like I used to have like on my wall here, big Forbes 30 under 30 thing. And last year I pulled it off because I was like, that, what the fuck is that going to do? What the, like who, honestly, who gives a fuck? It's just something for me to put there so other people think I'm like, more credible or like for me to like validate all of the effort that I've put into things and I'm like I'm I'm I refuse to fall into that anymore like yeah Yeah, that's my own thing but it's constantly creeps up on me constantly (laughs) yeah it's like if you get the accolades and if you have those like fantastic but I guess for me it's sort of like trying to figure out now like okay so that achievement that might have won me a 30 under 30 or like whatever other award would the achievement be any less important if I did that at 45 or Mm. 50 or 60? And 
if it would be just as important, then the age really doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think 99% of the time, it's just as important no matter when you do it. 100%. I mean, you look at Ariana Huffington that started like Thrive and she's 65. Like yeah. she even started HuffPost in her 40s. So it's like, yeah. like why, why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we all want to do it by the time we were 23? And yeah, at 23, exactly. I didn't fucking know anything. I couldn't, yeah, totally. I couldn't have done anything. I'm sure you're going to look back at you like in five years and be like, I don't fucking know anything. Know like, anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and the final question I have for you is what is one thing that you want to explore or are curious about? I really want to, I want to get into the world of conspiracies a little bit more Yeah, um, because I think this is where like a lot of the misinformation that permeates the mainstream kind of seems to me like a lot of that is starting from its core within these like kind of underground conspiracy theory groups and so even though what they're talking about might to an average person seem totally crazy it's slowly like twists and leaks and and morphs and changes as it goes out from the group until it becomes something that sits in the mainstream that like a lot of people believe Mm. uh so yeah I'm I am kind of curious to delve into that a little bit more and and see how these groups work and uh, yeah it's just kind of fascinating particularly given everything that's happened in the U.S. over the past kind of like 12 months yeah I I'm a little bit scared of it I'm <laughs> honest because I'm like what if I get converted yeah, yeah. <laughs> imagine so 2022 imagine. crystals like going about yeah, yeah we do this podcast Flat again Earth. next year yeah. and I'm like guys you're not gonna believe it <laughs> But yeah, I think, I think a lot of people dismiss it and say like, oh, it's like crackpot theories that they're totally crazy. They're not grounded in reality, but they're convincing a lot of people. So I just like to find out why. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. And what a cool thing to be, to be curious about. Although I don't think that is something that you should be putting yourself in anytime soon, considering the plate that you already have. It's Yeah, this is the thing. I'm not actually going to have time to do any (laughs) meaningful research on it unless it's to do with Z feed because I just don't have any time. You you will soon. I feel that there will be a big team this year. Like you guys will. I mean, even how quickly did you grow in the beginning? Like there was just like, I just remember I was like Z feed and then like I started following and then like two days later you were on like, I don't know, 13, like it was a couple of thousand and then it just like exploded, right? Yeah, it went Yeah, it and went I'm sure that crazy. just, yeah, and I'm sure that's just going to slow, like that's even shit you should care about. They, when I interviewed them, they were 200,000 followers. When we posted the episode, it was a million and now yeah. they're on two mil. That's yeah. how like shareable content goes these days. So I'm sure- it this can change in gonna... an instant. So. Exactly, 100%. Yeah. The challenge. Yeah. You have a challenge for everyone and it's really cool. So it's a really wanna... good one. Yeah, so it is. It's a technique that I have completely stolen and co-opted from <laughs> Toyota, actually, um, and it's called the five whys. So I've spoken about this on other podcasts before, but it's just so good and I think more people should try it. So basically this is like a problem solving strategy that um, in like the early days of Toyota, like literally the car manufacturer, when they had issues on the manufacturing line that was causing problems in the cars, um, the founder, I can't remember his name, someone Toyota, obviously, (laughs) he uh, took this approach of asking why five times. So every, you know, 
this is the problem. Okay, why is that happening? And then why is that happening? And then why? And you keep going down until you get to something fundamental that if you fix that, all of the other problems, then the solutions become really obvious. So of course, like in a manufacturing sense that, you know, it's quite clear how that would work. But I kind of feel like if we apply it to a lot of the people who are buying into misinformation or who are, you know, tempted by these kind of fringe beliefs, we can apply it to those conversations and figure out what it is at a fundamental level that is causing the difference, that's causing that clash. And if we can figure out what that is and we'll be better able to kind of like bridge the gap and create a little bit of mutual understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, So my challenge to everybody is the next time that they come across an opinion that they just really don't agree with flat out, whether that's in a conversation with someone, whether it's, you know, a comment they read or an article they read or a video they've watched or anything, to ask themselves or ask the other person, why or how five times or as many times as you need to until you get to a point where you actually understand what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like a a good kind of like live example is a lot of the time when you read people who are against taking climate action in Australia and who are anti kind of climate change or they, they believe that it's a hoax and all this kind of stuff if you keep drilling down and, you know, you ask them why, okay, well, why do you think that we shouldn't do anything? You know, why do you think that it wasn't us? And all of those kinds of questions and really just listen to what they're asking. A lot of the time, the fundamental thing that you'll come down to is that they're scared. And actually 90% of these kind of differences of opinion is because people are scared it's fear and you can't really judge someone for being scared that something changing in our world will just totally fuck up their life. Mm. You know, it's going to mean that they won't have a job. They'll, they'll lose a job or the community that they'll live in will completely crumble. And particularly when you're a little bit later on in life, like that's a really hard thing to face. How do you you know, how do you switch into another industry if you've only worked into one your whole life? How do you reconcile the idea of moving somewhere different when you've lived in one community your whole life? Like it makes sense why people would just want these things to not be true, regardless of whether or not they are. Um, so that's the challenge to just keep asking why on one topic until you can get to something that you actually understand why they think that way. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And I assume Crystal is saying not for you to stand there and be like, but why? Why? Yes, why? No. Like, yeah. let's show some compassion when we're doing this. I think that's the whole point of the exercise because I know it's so hard when you, like, you can easily get triggered by someone just being like, all right, let's not. Maybe try it at a point where you've got a little bit more energy and yeah. you've got more to give with people. But I think that is at such a brilliant way of doing it. And I love the transfer from Toyota into like yeah. conspiracy kind of land, argument land. Yeah. It's, you it's know, it's so just funny. about like getting outside your perspective and putting yeah. yourself into someone else's perspective and kind of going like, if I, if I really thought this, like what would be the reason? And so, yeah, maybe it's better to start out with something that you've just read and just doing it, you know, kind of asking yourself as if you were that person, like, why would they think this? And, and how could we have got to this point? Because 
yeah, sometimes I wonder if like not enough people are kind of asking those questions. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And I'm, I'm excited to do it. I think it'll be really, a really fun and interesting thing to Hopefully. do. For sure. <laughs> no, for sure. Well, we are unfortunately at the end, but I just wanted to say, first off, thank you so much for giving your time and coming on. But secondly, congratulations on all of the fucking incredible stuff you've done oh, over the past two you. years. It's honestly, I think, sometimes we get so caught up in doing all of the stuff that we forget holy shit I have done so much incredible it blows my mind that you did the book Z feed and like you were working in these jobs doing all this other stuff as well and somehow like maintained relationships outside of that and just was a person like it's it's honestly mental so congratulations on all of that and uh, I know that this year Z feed is just gonna gonna explode and hopefully that will allow you to be able to bring on more people and and just ease things up and go back to your like I started this for my lifestyle (laughs) right like kind of thing oh thank you so much that's that's so kind honestly thank you and thank you for having me on this was just such a fun honest like chat and thanks for listening to my rants (laughs) thank you so much and i can't wait to see what happens next with you thanks demi Thanks for listening to another awesome episode i hope you got as much out of this chat as i did if you want to follow crystal and z feed all of the info is in the show notes If you loved this episode, please share it with a friend or on your socials. Let's try and spread these conversations as far as we can. And I hope you will take something you've learned from this episode and bring it to your circles as well. We know that conversations are so important to have and they just create a real ripple effect. If you want to support the millennial crisis, the best thing you can do for us is to share it or to rate or to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts so that we can continue to get brilliant guests like Crystal. If you want to chat further, you can always DM me and let me know how you go with this week's challenge. That is all for this one. I'll catch you next week with another awesome episode. Bye.